this month we have something special for you. And the dead leaves lie huddled still. And I'd like to give a shout out to the operation department. I will be interviewing Miss Kirk about Scope Day. Maddie and Courtesy have been very dedicated to getting these pumpkin rolls out. We're going to talk about cheerleading. Developing a full routine, getting our outstanding cheerleader prepared, and changing some of our cheers to reflect the sport that we're actually cheering for this year. She and I spent about 500 hours. I left the guide dog world behind to teach cane skills now in a school. ILS stands for Independent Living Skills, and we teach exactly that. The girls took third overall. The boys placed eighth. We really wanted a playground that all of our students could use. And we now have equipment for all students. Welcome back to the November edition of the OSSB Podcast. We have a lot of exciting things to share with you this month. We will meet one of our new staff members, Miss Hill, who is a mobility instructor. This month, we have something special for you. It's the shout-out segments where we recognize some of the good people around us. Of course, we will be bringing you some fun facts about November. I will be catching you up on the latest with cheerleading and talk about what the catering department is doing to help us prepare for the holidays. We also had a new playground built and I will share a couple of interviews about the new playground. I will interview Miss Kirk and tell you more about Scope Day. And I will share what is going on down in the ILS department. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode of the OSSB Podcast. Oh, we are back. This is Miss Wagner, who's had an instrumental role in helping get this new playground together. Good morning, Miss Wagner. Good morning, Emmy. How are you? Great. Now, tell me, what were some of what was your role in helping to make this thing happen? So, um, well, we really wanted a playground that all of our students could use, um, that had opportunities for our students with special needs, our students in wheelchairs. Um, so it's, you know, it's been a, a work in progress, but um, I, you know, we developed, a, we worked with a company, okay, and we developed a plan, we picked out the equipment that we wanted, we picked out the surface that we wanted, and um, so I was able to be involved in all of the steps from the beginning to the end. That's wonderful. And tell me, what does this today, what does this ceremony today mean to you personally? Um, uh, I am super excited that it um, is inclusive. Um, it has opportunities for all of our students, um, and that just makes my heart happy it makes me happy too and i just wanted to to put you on today and tell you thank you for everything that you do at the school not just over here but always Um, so and we enjoyed having you on on the podcast thank you so much thank you for having me before we go is there anything else you would like to add I just want to say I hope staff and students enjoy and um, we get lots of use out of the playground. 
Oh, I'm sure we will. Well, thank you for taking your time, and I hope to see you again on the OSSB podcast. Thanks, Emmy. And the dead leaves lie huddled still, no longer blown hither and thither. The last lone aster is gone, the flowers of the witch hazel wither. Robert Frost. That's kind of a sad poem, isn't it? Yeah, melancholy. It is. It is November, guys. Right? Fall is in the air. And this month, we have things like Election Day. We got Veterans Day. We have Thanksgiving. We have so much more. In this segment, we're going to focus on some lesser known things and maybe some fun things about the month of November. Jonathan, you want to take it away? November 1st is National Cook for Your Pets Day. Okay. November 3rd is Zero Tasking Day. Keep that in mind. (laughs) November 9th is National Scrapple Day. Mm -hmm. November 16th is National Button Day. Right. November 21st is World Hello Day. Hello. November 23rd is Fibonacci Day. We're going to look that up and see what that is. All right. Um, Larry. November's full moon is traditionally called the Beaver Moon. Why this name? In the colonial era, this was the month to set one's beaver traps before the swamps froze, and beavers retired to their lodges to ensure a supply of warm winter furs. In 2021, November's full moon occurs on Friday, November 19th at 3.59 a.m. Eastern Time. So, wow, just uh, just before the uh, sun starts uh, starts to rise there. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to either stay up late or get up early to see that. Well, I don't really sleep that much anyway, so uh, it's like, eh. All right. Let's send it over to Emmy to, to get some uh, weather and folklore facts. Well, I have some November weather folklore for you. All right. Lay it on us. What, what you got? If there's ice in November that will bear a duck, there'll be nothing after but sludge and muck. Oh. So if it freezes in November, it's going to melt soon after that. All right. November, take flail. Let ships no more sail. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. If trees show buds in November, the winter will last until May. Aww. Mm-hmm. There is no better month in the year to cut wood than November. Ice in November brings mud in December. A heavy November snow will last until April. I hope we don't get a heavy November snow. Make walking around difficult. Yes, it would. <laughs> you have to get your get your snow cane out. Yeah. <laughs> so I I love November. It's my favorite month of the year, actually. Oh well, I don't know about favorite month, but my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, falls Eaten. in this month. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys like November? Um, I like the vibe of November. What I don't like is. Me having to possibly deal with like the several feet of snow that I gotta walk through. Where do you live? Um, cause we don't get several feet in Columbus. I'm in Columbus. Oh, okay. That's what I was saying. What town do you live in? You know, Buffalo gets several feet, right? 
Mm-hmm. If you're over there on the East Coast and, you know, you're up in that area, they get, they get a lot of snow. Over here, we're, we're lucky if we get, you know, five or six inches, but Columbus gets a lot of ice. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's a lot of fun. Oh, the um, ice that'll bear a duck. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not really used to like deep snow because before I, I lived in Arizona and before that I lived in Tennessee, which we did get snow, but yeah. like it, it was rare that it was like a lot at all. So well, now, you, you could look at snow as like frozen sand. I guess. Right. Do you have sand in Arizona? I mean, of course, but it wouldn't get to where it, it, the, the sand would engulf my whole foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have to invest in your, invest in some, uh, good boots. Yeah. You, know, good you have boot. to grapple with the monsoon out there though. Yeah. I used to go to Arizona in July, which was right, right in monsoon season. I have family out there. Yeah. How was it? The monsoon? Yeah. Yeah, it just rained a lot. Oh. You know. Well, that's rare. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be, it'd be like that second or third week in July and they go out there. So, yeah, it's good stuff. But yeah, Thanksgiving. Now, do you guys call sweet potatoes? If you have sweet potatoes at Thanksgiving, do you call them sweet potatoes or do you call them yams? Ooh, that is a. Uh... Mr. Kelly's diving into some uh, uh, a controversial topic here. Well, I'll, I'll add that I'm from West Virginia, and we call them sweet potatoes. Okay. What do you call them at your house, Emmy? Sweet potatoes, but that's because we get a different type of sweet potato. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I was uh, growing up down south, we called them yams. But there actually is a difference between – there's a lot of differences between a sweet potato and a yam. Really? Did you guys know that? A yam, a yam is not a sweet potato. Yeah, I I felt like there were some differences. See, what we did is we'd call it sweet potato or like a yam, depending on the ingredients. Mm-hmm. So I I knew there was a difference, but not to like like a massive yeah. extent. I thought we yeah, just- yams yams are not indigenous to America. They grow like in Africa, South America, the Car- the Caribbean, and yams are a lot bigger. Than sweet potatoes, like um, I think they can be like three feet long and they can weigh up to eighty pounds. Jeez! Like imagine bringing a yam home, like you know, like can I have some help loading that into the car, please? It's a little heavy. Sweet potatoes are thinner skinned. They're usually about five to seven inches long, and you know they they grow in cooler weather. And it changed. I believe it was like the nineteen twenties or the thirties that horticulture folks came up with a bigger sweet potato uh, that was a little larger, not quite yam size, but that's that's kind of where they started calling those yams back in the 30s. So oh. There is a difference. So if you're calling them yams, you're wrong. Uh, they are. You guys are all calling them sweet potatoes, so that's good. I, I do not like sweet potatoes, so we don't call like them. Sweet potatoes we don't call them anything at my house because I'm like, we're not we're not serving those. I like sweet potato French fries. <laughs> I don't like sweet potato fries like sweet potatoes by themselves normally, but my family instead of pumpkin pie Thanksgiving, we sweet potato sweet pie. Sweet potato pie. That is yeah, good you know what's stuff. up, Mr. Kelly. Yeah, I do like sweet potato pie. Yep. It's wonderful. And uh yeah, so looking forward to deep fried turkey and sweet potato pie on Thanksgiving this year. So I'm gonna wish all of you guys out there a happy November. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. 
Hello, this is Larry from the podcast team, and I'd like to give a shout-out to the operation department as they maintain the equipment as well as adding new equipment to the building. They also do a great job keeping the school a well-sanitized environment. We appreciate your hard work, and it will not be underappreciated. This is Jonathan, and up next, I will be interviewing Miss Kirk about Scope Day. What is Scope Day? Scope Day is a professional development day for all teachers who are members of our union, which is the State Council of Professional Educators, or SCOPE. Why do we have Scope Day, and why is it important? Um, We have Scope Day to ensure that teachers stay up to date on the latest developments in education. So as educators, it's important that we continuously grow and uh, improve our knowledge so that we can be the best teachers possible. Um, And with research changing every day, uh, having yearly professional development is really important so we can stay on top of that. Where is Scope Day held? So the location varies. I'm trying to recall. I feel like one year it was at the Aviation Center, and that was a lot of fun. Um, They try to hold it at places that are interesting, where the location itself is kind of a fun place to go to. And, you know, they make it a good time. Uh, Lunch is provided, and there's a whole array of panels where we can go learn different things so we can pick which panels we want to go to. It's uh, really not just an educational day, but an enjoyable day. Okay. What are your thoughts on Scope Day? I think Scope Day is really important. I appreciate that the union cares enough about my uh, continued education to create a day specifically for it. And they really put in a lot of effort to ensure that the guest speakers and the panels that they provide are relevant to us and our education and, you know, the populations that we teach. Okay. So there's some information about Scope Day from Ms. Kirk. Hey, this is Ms. Hans giving a shout out to the culinary students for all the hard work that they've done. Maddie and Courtesy have been very dedicated to getting these pumpkin rolls out. Uh, 61 of them that we managed to get done with the help of everyone else in our department. Miss Emily, Miss Molly, my student teacher, Miss Swisher, and myself. Hello, and welcome back to the OSSB podcast. This morning, I'm back with Miss Trot, and we're going to talk about cheerleading. Good morning, Miss Trot. Good morning, Emmy. I'm just going to ask you a few questions regarding cheerleading. First of all, what is going on with the students for cheerleading? Well, um, unlike some of the other sports, cheer was one of the sports that we offered this year that maintained a similar schedule in terms of when we start and when we end. It did overlap with some other sports, but it was exciting because I've always been used to it occurring at this time. So right now we're just working on developing a full routine, getting our outstanding cheerleader prepared, and changing some of our cheers to reflect the sport that we're actually cheering for this year. So tell me, what is the sport that you're actually cheering for this year? That's a great question. So we normally practice, Mm -hmm. our practice aligns with wrestling. We cheer for the wrestlers. So our cheers reflect that. Well, this year, because we can't do wrestling, it's a full contact sport, we switch to basketball. So obviously some of our, you know, pin them to the mat wouldn't work for basketball. That would probably frowned upon if we were encouraging our basketball players to do that. So there's a a few changes there. Okay. And tell me, what kind of changes are we making 
due to COVID or due to this new sport? So cheerleading, as I mentioned, we had to adapt and change and develop new cheers for the new sport. We are still following, you know, safety protocols in terms of obviously our cheerleaders are playing. We wash our hands, but, you know, doing that more, being more aware of that, uh, maintaining distance if we can, wearing masks and just monitoring our personal health. Great. It's always good to stay healthy. How do you think cheerleading is benefiting our students here at the school? Cheerleading is always beneficial because you, part of the word indicates that you're cheerful, you're happy. And sometimes um, you can really convince yourself, you know, that you're in a better mood based on your actions. So a lot of our cheerleaders came. We've had a rough couple of years. We're looking forward to some normalcy. We don't have it yet. But just being together versus being virtual has been helpful. We also get to, in real time, bounce ideas off of one another, practice together. We're not separated. We get to see how effortless some things will be executed. Um, we also have some newcomers. So we have just, it's a lot of fresh ideas that we are, that we're sharing with one another. I'm glad to hear it. So, Ms. Trot, what are you personally looking forward to and what are your cheerleaders looking forward to for this season or anything looking forward? I'm looking forward to surprising everyone with the routine that we've developed. We've tried a lot of new things. Some have been successful, some semi-successful. I'm just looking forward to seeing our newcomers really grow and develop in this sport and seeing where it takes them and sending our seniors off, hopefully with a win. They've worked hard. I'm glad to hear it. And to all the athletes from here, I'm not much of an athlete myself, but I have this message for you. You can't get to success without bad ideas or failures. So just pass that along to the cheerleaders. All right, and is there anything else that you would like to add regarding cheerleading? I am going to speak on behalf of me and Coach Knight. Coach Knight and I work very well together, which reflects in our cheerleaders, just how we demonstrate camaraderie to them. And looking at these athletes, it's amazing to see how well they come together and how they feed off of one, one another. And I'm just really looking forward to seeing you know, what competition will bring and um, how, how we're going to leave from Kentucky what we're going to leave with. All right. Thank you very much. And thanks for being on the OSSB podcast. And this is Mr. Kelly. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the people who are on the podcast team. Appreciate all your hard work so far and making this podcast the best that it can be. Right now, we would like to welcome one of our new staff members to the podcast. Miss Hill, and um, good morning for one. Good morning, I, everyone. Thank you for having me. All right. Miss Hill, what brings you to OSSB? I started at OSSB when I did my internship for my master's in O&M with Mrs. Smith, and she and I spent about 500 hours together. I finished my internship and then was lucky enough to be offered a job here starting when the school year began. 
And that brings us to today. Where are you from? I grew up on the East Coast, just outside of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. But now I live in rural Union County, which is about 35 miles northwest of here. And I live out there with my husband and two boys. What made you want to be an O&M instructor? So I initially started off as a guide dog mobility instructor. And I did that for between seven and eight years. And when I was doing that, I got the idea to go back to school for my O&M because there's a there's a need for O&M instructors and so that kind of started my my journey as an O&M instructor and then it's a requirement that you do an internship a supervised internship and I did that here like I said with Mrs. Smith and I kind of um fell in love with working with the school age population. It's a it's a bigger age range. Right. And here I am. I left the guide dog world behind to teach cane skills now in a school. How long have you been a mobility instructor? This is my first year as a mobility instructor. I passed my ACV REP exam last spring and I began working as an O&M instructor when the school year began. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Second of all, how much education does it take to do what you do? So I have a master's in orientation and mobility. Because COVID happened, it took just over two years for me to complete my coursework and my internship, which is supervised teaching. Okay. And where did you go to school? I got my degree from Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo, and I did a hybrid model. I did a lot of coursework online, but then I also completed a summer session in person up in Kalamazoo for six weeks. All right. Getting to more of the uh, possible personal questions, can you tell us about your best and worst experiences being an O&M instructor? That's a great question, Larry. I don't have a worst experience. I don't think I've been doing this long enough to say that I've had a worst experience. Um, Best experience, every lesson is awesome. It is my favorite thing in the world to work with our students on completing their goals and seeing the look on their faces when they accomplish something at the end of a lesson that was really hard to do. Okay. Do you have a favorite or interesting story to share about your experiences so far? So I think my favorite thing is that obviously we have a a range in age here at OSSB. So sometimes lessons take place on campus. Sometimes we have a four period lesson where we go on the bus. So I think the most interesting thing is that no two lessons are ever the same from day to day, student to student, or week to week. It's always something new. And the world is our classroom. And you can't really beat that. That's a fun way to look at it. I want to break in with a question real quick. Um, what's been what's the major differences between being a guide dog mobility instructor and working with kids and, and working with cane users and I guess got, got dog guide users too. So I would say the biggest difference is that dog guide users are adults. 
and they have a solid foundation of O&M skills and cane skills because that is the main requirement for applying for a guide dog. So you're working as a guide dog instructor and it's really your main job to help the person bond with the dog, learn how to travel with the dog. It's not so much teaching cane skills or teaching how to cross streets or analyze intersections. Those skills have already been attained by the dog guide user. So it's really just facilitating that newness and the bond of the person and the dog. Would you say it's more relationship building then than than any like more of a relationship building when you're dealing with uh dog users like as far as teaching how to get build that connection you're absolutely helping them build that relationship i've seen over the years people who have never had even a pet dog before and they came for a guide dog and so we're teaching everything from the how to take care of the dog how to play with the dog how to do all of that in addition to how to tell the dog what you need it to do or what you're what you want it to do when you're traveling with it okay and the other thing i would like to add to is that with guide dog users you typically have a much shorter amount of time working with them generally if somebody has had a dog before you work with them for about two weeks if they've never had a dog before it's three or four weeks that's way different than here where we have years and years and years and an entire school year. So it doesn't feel as rushed here as it can at times as a guide dog instructor. Have you been enjoying our school so far? Absolutely. I love my time here. I look forward to coming here. I like getting to know all of the students, even the ones that I don't directly work with. It's like one big family and I really enjoyed it so far. Who is the Miss Hill away from OSSB? The Miss Hill away from OSSB is tired a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love to spend time with my family. I love to travel. My husband and I work a lot on our house. We complete projects together. And I just kind of like to enjoy my time. Understandable. Okay. Do you have any favorite hobbies? I do. I really love to garden, both growing flowers and vegetables. I haven't ventured much into fruit. The Ohio climate isn't exactly conducive to that. Yeah, I'm we're going to I'm thinking about getting into that this spring, especially with the way prices are going. Yeah, that's a good point, Emmy. And it's good exercise too. It is. It is. It's great exercise and it's a awesome reason to be outside. Mm-hmm. Really, I wouldn't. Gardening was the last thing I uh, suspected being good exercise. From a glance, it just looks like you're moving, moving your hands around. <laughs> Pulling weeds is hard work. I will say that. Yep. And digging holes. And digging holes. Do you have any pets? I do. I have two dogs. I have a golden retriever who is nine years old. He's a career change guide dog, meaning he was bred and raised to be a guide dog, but he did not make it through the program. And I have a 10-year-old black lab who is a retired guide dog. They've certainly earned their love then. 
she has earned her retirement and she spends it laying in front of the pellet stove on the couch, sleeping all day. Aww. Wish my dog would do that. <laughs> so let's circle back around to uh, back to October because we had you guys on in October. I just want to say the mobility team did a great job with Blind Awareness Month and White Cane Day, um, all the activities you guys planned. So let's turn it over to Mr. Strickland and talk about White Cane Day and how that came together and just kind of Blindness Awareness Month in general. The students and I were very, very impressed with the White Cane Day activities, the crafts that you did, uh, the learning activities. Of course, the obstacle course was sort of the uh, culmination of all that. Uh, could you give us a little bit of details of the planning that went into that, You know, all the work that you all had to do to make that great event uh, come to fruition? So we actually... Miss King, um, she spearheaded a lot planning, as well as Mrs. Smith and Miss Swartout. I kind of was sort of along for the ride because this was my first White Cane Day. And so we really just wanted to make it fun and accessible for all of our students here at OSSB. The obstacle course where we, we provided the option uh, for people to wear sleep shades and go through was absolutely wonderful. We had all kinds of um, things out there. We had a tricycle. We had jump ropes that kind of looked like snakes on the sidewalk. Um, and it was out by the dorms, which was great because that is a residential setting. So we even had street crossings involved. We really just wanted it to be fun for everybody and to celebrate White Cane Day. And so I think that we really succeeded in that. And I thoroughly enjoyed my first White Cane Day here at OSSB. Okay. Final question here. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Any just small little fun details at all? I would just like to thank everybody for being so welcoming to me as I navigate my first year here. The staff, the students, everybody has been really, really great. And it's a nice place to be. And I, I appreciate that. So thank you all. And thank you all for having me on your podcast. Well, it was really a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Miss Hill. Thank you. And welcome back to the OSSB podcast. I'm here with Miss Henry. How are you this morning? Good. Thank you for asking. It's a chilly morning. And describe where are we at right now? We are at our brand new playground. The dedication ceremony is just completed. Students and staff alike are playing and having a great time. Great. And tell me what is so excited about this dedication day today. This playground has been in the making for many years, and we now have equipment for all students. So no matter if you are able to climb or if you're in a chair, there is something for every single student. No one is left out. Okay. Um, and for our listeners, tell me what what kinds of fun things do we have people playing on and uh, how many... in. We have slides, we have teeter-totters, swings, we have a merry-go-round, we have wobble, looks like wobble boards maybe? Um, they have things to climb on, things that move back and forth. It's just, again, something for everyone. And it's extra nice because the surface is rubberized, so there's no mulch, there's no asphalt, so it's nice and spongy. So we don't have chairs getting stuck in the mud. We will not have chairs get stuck in the mud, correct. 
Oh yeah, because March is a mulch is a problem when it gets wet. It correct. Anyway, so yeah, anything else you would like to add before I conclude today? Well, I appreciate you asking me to talk about the new playground. I am super excited to be out here and utilize it with my students. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We enjoy having you on. And this is Mr. Strickland. I'm here to give a shout out to all of the teachers, students, and families who've made me feel welcome here at OSSB. Thanks for welcoming me into the Panther family. Appreciate all that you're doing to help me get acclimated. Up next on the OSSB podcast, Larry does a great interview with Miss Hans from the ILS department. However, I will let you know they did not do this interview on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise or the TARDIS, if you're a Doctor Who fan. But they did that down in the ILS department in the kitchen. In the kitchen, there are several things that are running, like a big refrigerator and some other appliances. And and trying to salvage the interview so that we could hear what was being said, it we get we get some different sounds going on. So the audio is a little bit has some background things behind it that sounds a little bit sci-fi. So apologize for that but great interview with larry and the ils department coming right up all right hello miss hans um me in the park cast crew here at OSSB. we're curious about a few things here at ils and how it operates uh, and starting out our first question here is what does ils stand for and what do you teach here hi there larry Well, ILS stands for Independent Living Skills, and we teach exactly that. So we teach everything from cooking skills to making appliances in the kitchen and elsewhere accessible. We teach uh, money skills. We teach dressing skills, hygiene, social skills, cleaning, just all kinds of stuff. How to use an ATM at the bank, um, all of that stuff. So the foundations of being able to function in life. All right. That works. <laughs> How long have you been teaching um, the ILS class here? I think this is my eighth year to this year. Eighth so, year? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a long time. <laughs> it's a good job. Yeah, you have all the freedom to teach kids how to, you know, hold their own out there. Exactly. I can respect it. Um, next question is, have there been any, like, massive changes to how the class operates while you're here? Or have things stayed relatively the same? Massive changes. Well, I think when I took on this teaching position, um, things changed a bit because I changed what I taught and how it was taught. So, so I guess that's probably the last time we've had massive changes. The program grows. I mean, because we grow as teachers and we get different levels of students in here than you figure out new ways to do things and how to make adaptations and that kind of thing. So I guess it's just progressed over the years. Um, I don't know if I would call it massive changes. Yeah. It's more noteworthy. Uh, I didn't want to say massive changes. That was the wrong word to use there. In the brief time where COVID had us all huddled in the world of virtual learning, how how did ILS fare as a virtual class? Was it difficult to teach since most of it requires a, a lot of physical activity? Or was there a very convenient workaround towards that? 
ILS was tough to teach virtually. Um, and how I handled that is we did, I did a lot of like lecturing on nutrition or um, we would talk about how to do things. So like if a student was, say, wanted to learn how to do dishes, uh, we would talk about the steps as to how to do that. Um, I would talk about nutrition and then I would provide a recipe that would go along with that nutrient that we talked about. And then they could do that at home or they, they didn't have to. Everything was posted on Google Classroom so that they could access it. Uh, there wasn't a lot of cooking going on. There wasn't a lot of hands-on going on because there are lots of students that are not allowed to cook at home. Their parents aren't comfortable with that. So um, a lot of just listening and then written assignments is what it was. I much prefer being in person teaching ILS than doing it online. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, that's what most classes, to be fair. <laughs> Um, this is more of a, like a little personal question. Who is the Miss Hans outside of teaching? <laughs> outside of teaching. Well, I am a mother. Um, uh, my son lives with me and I have twin daughters. I have pets. I do a lot of walking and hiking. Um, I like hanging out with friends and family. I like trying new restaurants. Love to cook and create things at home. I love to read. I'm a big reader, so I go through a lot of books. I like movies. I guess that's me outside. Basically, it's family and friends. I have a close inner circle. It's small, but it's there. And I love to be outside. So hiking, rowing, uh, camping, fishing, any of that stuff. I love all that stuff. So you're, you're more the adventurous type. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I like that. You like trying new things. Definitely. Here, here's a little Another interesting question, or I'd like to think it is, um, what is the preparation process for your lessons here in ILS? All right. So the preparation process is I figure out what it is that I want to teach. So if I'm looking at a specific skill, so like this week we're doing potatoes. So the skills that I'm addressing with potatoes are um, peeling the potatoes. Can you peel the potatoes? Okay. Can you cut them? So we do the peeling, we do the cutting. Then you either do them on the stove or you do them in the microwave. And then there's the skill of mashing and adding in, adding ingredients and playing with flavors because potatoes are one of those things that you can add a lot of stuff to or not a lot of stuff to and you can change the flavor. So I guess that, that's my prep is thinking about what it is that I want to teach. And I try to find something that I can teach several skills with, not just one. Um, and then... Uh, and then I have to create a shopping list once I have my recipe down. And uh, then I go get the stuff that I need, and then we go through it. That's that's pretty much my thought process and my prepping for what we're doing. It's really thinking about and things that I think the students will enjoy. Like I could, you could practice cutting with a piece of toast, right? But if you practice cutting with mashed potatoes, most people like mashed potatoes and there's motivation there to do the mashed potatoes and it makes it more fun for the student, which then makes it more fun for me as a teacher because I don't have to nag. You know, it, it's just, and then it also makes you want to do it more, I think. So I guess a lot of my thought process is how can I motivate you to do more of what I'm trying to teach you how to do? And by doing that, I think I need to come up with fun things that you want to do. All right, so you try to... Try to find um, certain things in life that would be very important into something that'd be fun. Right. Kind of take a little bit of the seriousness out of it. That's it right there. Yeah, I think people learn a lot better when they're having fun and relaxed as opposed to 
somebody's standing over you. You do it wrong, you will die. Right? Here's the yardstick, and you better get it right. Yeah, no, I don't do any of that. All right. Um, To cap off, are there any special planned events regarding Thanksgiving here in ILS? Well, the pumpkin rolls were the big ones. We aren't doing... In the past, we have done Thanksgiving meals here. We're not doing that this year. We're doing mashed potatoes right now in class, which kind of ties in with Thanksgiving. I kind of thought people would be in the mood for them. And I thought maybe if they learned how to make them in here, maybe they could go home and help their parents. But that's really it. We don't have a lot of special things going on for Thanksgiving. All right. Yeah, that's all our questions here. Um, Thank you, Ms. Hans, for taking the time out of your day to listen to me nag for a few minutes. (laughs) I really appreciate it, uh, your contribution to the Outcast team. Thanks for having me, Larry. Yeah, you have a wonderful day. You too. All right. Thank you very much, guys. And once again, apologize for the audio. Next interview, next take we do down there in ILS will definitely make it a lot different. The track results are in, and Emmy will catch up with Coach Heath and get results from him let's check it out and see how the boys and girls panthers did overall at the ncasb track conference of 2021 okay can you give me a quick summary of the results yes um the boys placed eighth out of 11 teams and but we only had three out of our four boys participate because elliot was absent but um Carter did a great job at shot put, and uh, Jacob uh, took first place in the shot put, and uh, Garrett did great in his uh, 800 and in his uh, mile 1600, um, and he also placed in the long jump and triple jump. Okay. Garrett got first overall in the 800. Okay. Um, the girls took third overall, and um, they all had good meets. A lot of seniors on the girls' team. Maddie threw the shot put and took first. Courtesy threw the shot put in Class B and took first. Samaya did a great job in all of her events, and she did the triple jump and the shot put and the 60 meters and the 400 meters. Jenna did a great job. She got second in the uh, 1600 meters and she got third in the 800 meters and she did well in long jump and the 60. And then uh, Sarah Paller did a great job. She placed seventh in the uh, 800 meters and she worked really hard at that. And she also threw the shot put and ran the 60. And then Maya Weller had three events where she took first place the triple jump, the 400 meters, and the 60-meter dash. Nice job. Yeah, she did first in all those, and she's the only only girl to break 10 seconds in the 60 meters out of everybody Ooh. in the league. And she also did a nice job in the long jump. So That's a um, cheetah right there. Yeah, they did a great job um, and got third place overall. Okay. I was about to ask, how was our teams overall? Yeah. Uh, girls third place, boys eighth place. Okay. 
Thank you very much. I'll see you later. See ya. It's time for another shout out at the OSSB podcast. This shout out goes out to Miss Brewerwood for her steadfast support of all things OSSB. She keeps up with the students' successes and struggles while encouraging their continued academic growth. She constantly plans for the future needs of the school, researches solutions, collaborates with colleagues, and follows through with the plan. Also, the students say she's always there. There's a rumor she has teleportation abilities. I don't know about all that, but she does seem to be everywhere all the time. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Brewerwood, for all you do. And this shout out was sent in from Miss Grimm. Hello, this is Emmy, and I'm back with the after school schedule starting this January. Monday? Game on. Before dinner until end of the year. Tuesday. Braille Challenge Club. Yay. Before dinner and only until February 22nd. Wednesday. Cooking Club. Before dinner until end of the year. And 3D Model. 5 p.m. until end of the year. Thursday, podcast, before dinner until end of the year. And soccer club, 5.45 p.m. until end of the year. And that's it for your after-school program schedule for January onward. All right, guys, uh, we have made it to the end of November. Today is the 30th, and today we're going to publish. Yay! November 30th. Uh, this this year really has just passed us by, and we're already super close to December. That's, that's kind of insane. Yeah, well, we had, we had one holiday. We had Thanksgiving, and we got three more weeks until we go out for winter break. Uh, let's talk about our Thanksgiving a little bit before we get out of here. Emmy, how was yours? Good, ate several plates of food and regretted it that <laughs> night. But that's good. How about you, Larry? Uh, my mom cooked a like nine course meal for like me and her, and it, it was pretty good. It was like this is this is a lot of food. It was kind of overwhelming. Uh, yeah, we had to put some of it in the freezer because we knew we wouldn't finish it all. I can relate to that. I uh, do the same thing at my house. I always cook way more than I need. How about you, Mr. Strickland? Well, besides some uh, good Black Friday deals, I don't need to explain to you that we had some tremendous food for Thanksgiving this year. That's right. Mr. Strickland, come over to my house for, for Thanksgiving meal. We were certainly glad to have you. Did some deep fried turkey, and uh, that went very well. I was worried about that valve situation for a moment. Yeah, yeah. The deep fryer decided not to work uh, when I got up, so dinner got delayed a couple hours. And luckily, we did it on Saturday. The uh, gas house was open, and I was able to take it over there and get it fixed. So I was really happy with those guys. They saved our day. So that was great. So, yeah, I'm glad everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I hope that you all did as well who are listening out there. We certainly appreciate your support always to what our students and staff are doing here at the Ohio State School for the Blind. And we are looking forward to putting another good one together for you in December. Yes, thank you for listening, everyone. Take care, guys. Happy holidays.